0: Well, they invited Brother Danny and didn't invite me. <laughs> you were threatened. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How many of you think the old account was settled? Amen. Hey, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, your account is settled. You're secure, you're sound, and you're in good shape. Amen. If you haven't, listen, you're in a good place. because I'm going to tell you how you can do that today before we're done. First Peter chapter 2 this morning. First Peter chapter 2 as we continue here. In our series here through the book of First Peter, and uh, get that, Brother Rick, I, is the screen working? You can get that down for me. I appreciate that. And uh, we've been preaching through this series that I've simply entitled this, Building Up Your Spiritual House. And that's the, that's the title of this whole chapter, too, as we go through this mini-series within the book. And we've been looking last week and at a few of the truths from it. Uh, the last couple of weeks we're looking at this, the building blocks of the mature believer. The building blocks of the mature believer. And we, we saw that in the first couple of verses of chapter 2, and it starts with this simple fact, we must first grow. We got to grow first and he deals with laying aside he says putting off and, and putting off those attitudes those actions that that, 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 that would go against God and particularly he says lay aside malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speaking and then then it also involves growing not only putting off things but we got to put on things and the thing we're to put on is the word of God amen We got to change our output and change our input he says as newborn babes you need to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby and and so we got to take god's word and we need to read it and and we need to study it and we need to memorize it and meditate on it we need to share it and live it and and uh, and we covered this truth that the parts of the bible that you truly believe are the parts that you will behave then last time we were together we we added one more to that building block of becoming a mature mature believer not only must we grow by Putting off things and putting on the right things. But we must know something. And we must fundamentally know from verse number 3. He says the Lord is great." We we need to understand this fundamental fact. It will change our lives. And we will be able to spiritually grow to a place we've never gone before. If we understand that no matter whatever happens in your life. No matter whatever happens in my life. No matter whatever happens in this life. God is good. And you just got to get that fact down. Listen. And God's not good because of what he does. God is good because of who he is. We often say we get a good report, as we talked about last time, uh, from the doctor, and we add to it, God is good, and, and we understand that, but, and we say, oh, I, got, I got an unexpected uh, check, or I got an unexpected financial me- need met, and we say, God is good, but listen to me real carefully, this is, we should celebrate and praise God for that, but this is the fundamental fact, it is this, even if I get a bad report from the doctor, God's still good. Even if I have more month than money, God's still good. Nothing will ever happen in your life, my life, or in this life that will ever diminish the fact that God's good because he's not good because of what he does. He's good because of who he is. And he'll never cease to be good because he'll never cease to be God. And that'll help us grow. You say, why will that help us grow? Well, I gave you the formula and we'll, we'll, we'll finish there. I got it up here. I'll let you read it. How about that? This, simply this, knowing the goodness of God. Here's what happens. When we understand the goodness of God, it brings us to a place of humility because we're in awe of the goodness of God. And when humility comes, guess what happens? Guess what has to leave? What's the opposite of humility? Pride. What is the biggest spiritual problem we all have? We get real honest. The root sin of all sins other than un- unbelief and the and wrong view of God. It is See, when humility comes, pride goes, and when pride goes, guess what? We become spiritually mature. And so we looked at those with the truths we looked at through verses 1 through 3 was simply this. It was the building blocks of a mature believer. But today as we get to verse number 4, we're going to go a little different. We're not going to look at the building blocks of the believer. We're going to look at the building blocks of the church. In particular today, we're going to look at the, the cornerstone of the church. And let me just tell you right off the bat before we even get anywhere, his name is Jesus. Amen. So if you'd stand, we'll read, picking up in verse number four today. And we'll see where we get. And I had to, This is one of the, the fastest outlines that ever came to me. And we're only going to make one point. I was like, wow, cool. At least I got a couple weeks ready. <laughs> the cornerstone of the church, the building block of the church. Verse four. If you have so tasted that the Lord is good or the Lord is gracious in verse three. Then to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and what's that next word? Precious. I mean, say Jesus is precious. Amen. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ.
1: Wherefore also
0: it is contained in the Scripture Behold, I lay in sign a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Father, would you take the next few moments. Lord, I pray first for me that you'd hide me behind the cross. Lord, you'd fill me from the bottom of my feet to the, heads of my toe, the top of my head, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, you'd protect me while we're going to preach some truths. And some of those truths today are going to be hard truths, Lord. Lord, it's no mistake. We go verse by verse through your Bible. which is exactly what you want covered today. Lord, that you'd help me to do it with the spirit of graciousness and grace. But Lord, for our listeners here today, Lord, I pray that you'd help them too. Lord, just to focus on what you'd have for them from the word of God today. Lord, we all have so many distractions in life. So many things going on, it's easy for our minds to sway and focus on other things. But Lord, today we need to hear from heaven. Take the message, Lord. Apply it to every heart and every life. May we be challenged and changed. And may we once again see how great our Lord and Savior is today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. As we get looking at First Peter here, we start off with simply this, building up our spiritual house. He says in verse 4, to whom coming also is a lively stone. But look down to verse 6, because that's where we're going to start. For He quotes there in verse number 6, Isaiah 28 and verse 16. And here's what he says, is simply this. He says, he, he says behold, I lay in Zion a, uh, I'm sorry, i got to find it here, I'm, I'm, I'm going off memory. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he that believeth him should not be confounded. And so we learn right away that the cornerstone of the local church is Jesus Christ. And, and Peter uses that analogy of the cornerstone. Now, before we go too far, we've got to have a little Sunday school. We've got to understand what the cornerstone is. It's easy to read words like that and go on, but if we don't understand what it was in building technology, we're not, we're not going to understand the rest of what he's trying to teach us here. So first I want you to see this, what the cornerstone is. It was the stone laid in the foundation of the buildings, And it was in the corner that it was placed and it was where the two sides of a building would come together and when when they would come together the whole building was then trued up, the whole building was measured for accuracy off of that one stone it was the most important stone in a building is this cornerstone, if it was placed right and everything came off of it and measured off of it right, then the entire house would be perfectly square but if the cornerstone was wrong If that was put at either the wrong stone in the first place or it was put at the wrong angle, guess what would happen? The walls of your spiritual house would never come together. The physical walls of what they were built would never come together. And the walls of your spiritual house will never come together. The cornerstone has to be right. and So that's what it is, the most important stone. But then we also see this. Not only that, what it is, but we see who it is. And listen, there's a lot of religions, a lot of denominations. They're going to teach it's Peter. It's not Peter. And even Peter knew it wasn't Peter. Because Peter writes who it is. That's who Peter's writing here. And he says it is Jesus. And in verse number 6 he says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. He says it right there. It is Jesus Christ and it is the word of God that is the cornerstone of the church and all that we believe. He is, and the word of God is what we must measure everything, y'all say that word with me, everything, everything, off of if we're going to build up a spiritual house that is square, that is true, whose walls come together. Now have you ever, I don't know how many of you are builders, but I'm certainly not, there's a lot of things I'm not, and that's one of them. but, But I do know this, in all my construction days on race cars and things, I know if I got like a 16th off right here, It's supposed to be here, but I'm off a 16. When I get to the other side of the building, the other side of the room, you know how far off I am? Inches, sometimes feet, depending on how long it is. And so if that cornerstone, the most important stone, if I'm off at all on who it is, Jesus, and what it is, the word of the living God. Remember, Jesus is the word. If I'm off at all on any teachings, on any doctrine, listen, it isn't long before I'm so far out of square and I'm so messed up, my walls will never come together. There's a lot of Christians that live right there. The reason is because because they haven't made the cornerstone of everything they believe, everything they do, Jesus and his word of God. Listen, we have an epidemic of people who do the opposite. They take what they think, they take what they believe, they take what they, what, they, what they want to think is true, and then they go to the Word of God, and they try to find somewhere in the Word of God that matches what they think, or what they believe, or want to believe, and, and, and they, they, they go and they impose their thoughts and their beliefs onto the Word of God. In theological terms, there's a word for that, it's called eisegesis, it's us applying what we think to God's Word. By the way, you can do that. You can be wrong to do that. (laughs) But Jesus says, no, you start with the right cornerstone. You start with the perfectly square cornerstone. And everything you think, believe, has to be measured off of it. Otherwise, it will always be wrong. Listen, if I impose my thoughts onto the Bible, I can make the Bible say anything I want it to say. Y'all know that? Y'all know we could do that? Let me illustrate for you. I could take Psalm 14, verse number 1, and Psalm 15, and I think it's verse number 3, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, it could, I could take out of both of those verses this truth, and I could quote the Bible. And the Bible says, there is no God. Both those verses say it. You can look it up later. Both of them say it. I could pull that right out. And I could make a whole sermon on that. There is no God. But you know what I have to do to do that? I have to ignore everything around it. So like I what comes before, before the verse. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. You see the difference? I can make the Bible say anything I want it to say, but we don't take our beliefs, we don't take our thoughts, we don't take what we want to believe and impose it on the Bible. No, we pull it out of the Bible because it's our cornerstone, not us. And not Peter. And Peter makes that abundantly clear. It is Jesus Christ and his word. So just say this with me. as as we go Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church and his word is the cornerstone of all that we believe say that with me Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church and his word is the cornerstone of all we believe that's a truth you got to get nailed down in your heart and in your life or you're going to have a crooked spiritual house somebody say amen amen it'll never be true and so we got to understand let me give you a couple of truths while we're here a little Sunday school before we get going uh it's simply this. Write this down. Truth number two. Jesus is the founder of the church. He's not only the cornerstone of the church, but while we're here, we might as well hit a couple other truths on it. He's the founder of the church. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 18 or 16, verse number 18. He said, I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, many take this word, or this verse, and, and they, try to, they try to say, well, Peter's the founder of the church. But listen, you gotta, this is where you've got to do a little study, amen, and understand the difference. Jesus, or Peter's not the founder of the church, Jesus is. Here's what Jesus is. The word Peter comes from the, from the original word, and I'll make sure I get it right, so let me find it real quick right here. It comes from the original word Petros. And what simply means this, little stone, little marble. So when you see the name P- Peter, that's what it comes from. It comes from the name Petros, little stone, marble. How many of you played marbles when you're a kid? <laughs> think, think about what marbles do. They move, don't they? Think about what we can do with little stones. Now, I like to go to the river. How many of you like to go to the river and skip stones? Especially in a good flower. They move. They're movable. Little things we can move, right? And that's what Peter stands for. Then he gets to the word rock, though, and he used a different word. He uses the word Petra. And it simply means this, the large cliff, the unmovable cliff. So a little study will tell you this. Here's what Jesus is saying. He said, thou art Peter, little rock, movable object. But upon this rock, Jesus points back at himself, says, I will build my church. The unmovable, Jesus Christ. The unmovable word of God. Can I remind you, he is the cornerstone. Listen, I remind you this morning, he is also the founder of the church. And this is important uh, for us to understand. But go, let me go on one more time. And he's also the head of the church. I'll give you truth number three. He's the head of the church. And the Bible makes that abundantly clear too. Now again, some, some many religions out there, many denominations out there, and, and even, even our Catholic friends will, will teach things like this, that, that, that Peter was the first pope. There's a problem with that. Peter never was a pope. Uh, popes weren't allowed to be married. Y'all know Peter had a wife? You want to know how I know he had a wife? Because he had a mother-in-law. Amen. I don't make a bunch of mother-in-law jokes. I'm not like the, uh, like, like the evangelist. I, I don't do that. Uh, because I, I, I'm going to tell you what. I think about mothers-in-law and fathers-in-laws. And, you know, Susan's, you know we always pick on mother-in-laws. I mean, Susan's got a great mother-in-law. I mean, she's like a mother to me. Y'all gotta think about that for a while. Amen. <laughs> Her mother-in-law's just like a mother to me. I mean, I got Sometimes you gotta say it twice for people to actually get it. Amen. <laughs> But, but Jesus, listen to me. He is the head of the church. It's not Peter. It's not a pope. Because again, he teaches Peter went to. Or, I mean, sorry, Jesus went to Peter's house. If you read Matthew eight, and there's a, his wife's mother was there and sick, and he healed his mother-in-law. Jesus did, or healed Peter's mother-in-law. Besides all that, the cle- Bible clearly states Colossians in chapter one, and verse eighteen, and he is the head of the body. What's the next two words? The what? church. Talking about who? Jesus Christ. So, so understand these fundamental facts before we get into the heart of the message. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the founder and Jesus is the head of the church. You got to understand that before you go any further. Amen? But not only that as we continue. Let's see what kind of cornerstone he is. I haven't clicked one too far but read with me verse 4. I wrote this down just to get started. He is the true. He is the supernatural cornerstone. Why did I say that? Well, let read verse 4 with me. To whom coming, as unto, what's that next two words? A living stone. He's alive. Isn't that good news this morning? He is the living stone. Now, we think of stones, what do you think about? I think about Things that are dead, lifeless and hard, can't be moved, and, and I, I think of, or can be thrown, all those type things. I, I think of just uh, inanimate objects, right? But not this stone. Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, is the living stone. Isn't you know, that good news this morning? Hey, my Savior is alive. Hey, your Savior, if Jesus Christ, is alive. Listen, that separates biblical and Bible-believing Christianity from every other religion in the world. Can I tell you, Buddha's dead. Muhammad's dead. Hey, Joseph Smith's dead. Ellen White's dead. All the other religious founders are dead. But my Jesus is the living stone who lives forevermore. And he didn't just die for my sins. That seems to be the only part of the gospel people preach anymore. Jesus died for your sins. Accept A lot of people died for me. You go through the. You go through all the people that have served in the military and gave their life. You know what? They died for me. But there's only been one that rose from the dead. And his name was Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel message. Friends, that's the message you need to be believed to be saved. That's the message Paul gave us in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, when he said, I declare unto you the gospel. In verse number 2, he said, it's by which you are saved. In verse 3 and 4, he tells us what it is, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel is not just De- Jesus' death. It's his death, burial, and resurrection because he's not a dead stone. He's a living stone. Somebody say Amen. This morning, he's my supernatural cornerstone, the living stone. He's the resurrection and the life. He said, he that believeth on me, uh, listen, though he be dead, shall he live. He's alive. He's alive. Look at verse number four, though. It starts off with the whom come. He's the supernatural living stone that calls you to come to him. You think about all the things he tells. How many times does Jesus say, come to me? Come to me. Matthew 11, 28, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hey, John 6 and verse 35, and Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Hebrews 4 and, and verse number 16, let us come therefore boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Revelation 22:17, 17, the last invitation in the Bible, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him that heareth come, he says. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will take of the water of life freely. He says, unto him that cometh, he is the living stone. Listen, if you haven't come to the supernatural living stone, I invite you today, come today. He's the one who meets every need. Listen. If you're hungry this morning, he's the bread of life. If you're thirsty this morning, he's the the living water. If you're troubled this morning, he is the the prince of peace. If If you're in darkness, my Bible says he is the light. Of the world, if if you need comfort this morning, he's the good shepherd. If you need some strength this morning, my Bible says he is the vine. If you if if you if you just feel dead this morning and you're spiritually dead, he's the resurrection and the life. You need some stability in your life. You need some listen, some firm foundation in your life. He is the Lord who changes not, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm talking about our supernatural cornerstone. The living stone, Jesus Christ. Whatever you need, listen, you just come. He'll meet that need. But then we go on. Because he's not only the supernatural stone, but unfortunately, he's also the slighted cornerstone. The slighted. Look what it says in verse 4. Some sad words here. To whom coming as unto a lively stone. Disallowed indeed of men. Disallowed indeed of men. Now, you read words like that sometimes in the King James. You're like, whoo, that's a big word. We don't use that all the time. How many of you use disallowed on a regular basis? <laughs> I disallow you. <laughs> we don't say that that often. But let, uh, let me just tell you what it means. It's a good word because it's exactly what it means. It means they rejected him, he was rejected of men. He's the slighted, rejected stone. Of course, Peter here is an apostle to the Jews and and he's talking back in our context to those that were under persecution and all that that some of them hadn't believed in Jesus Christ. And and we understand by studying that the Jewish nation as a nation disallowed. They rejected Jesus Christ. You want to know why they rejected him? Because he didn't fit their lifestyle. He didn't fit the mold of what they were expecting as a messiah. Hey, they were looking for a political messiah that would come and take over the government and rule and, and one that would agree with everything they fought and everything they believed and, and all their religious ways and, and fit in and fit their mold for their idea of God. But instead, you know what he came as? A spiritual messiah. Hey, one who went against their mold one who broke against their ideas he, he came as a friend of the Repub- of the publicans and sinners and, and that was unheard of and then he came as a rebuker of the Pharisees Hey, they were supposed to be the religious people who's this guy that comes and rebukes the religious and then welcomes sinners now that's not the Messiah we're looking for that doesn't fit our mold he rejected their personal beliefs and said listen I taught with authority as one from the word of God because he was the word of God he exposed hypocrisy and, and he listened, he scorned their traditions. He came as a personal savior, but they were looking instead for a political savior. He didn't fit their mold. It's easy for us to go and say, huh, what's wrong with him? But can I tell you the same reason they rejected, disallowed, slighted the cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the same reason men and women still do it today. Because he doesn't fit our mold. Because he's not what we envision. He's not what we're looking for. He doesn't fit what I believe and what I want to think. And He doesn't fit my lifestyle. The Jews disallowed, rejected him. The Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not. Now, that's, that, that's 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 terrible. That, that's some sad sad words in the Bible but listen that bad news for that nation of the, the Jewish nation who na- nationally rejected him turns into good news in the very next word or verse in John 1 11 he said he came into his own his own received him not but in 1 12 he says, but as many as he received him as received him he gave power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name listen for us because he came into his own the Jewish and they rejected he then turned to the Gentiles as sad as that is, that's also encouraging because that's how we got him. Amen. And he came to us because of their rejection. Now we can say what Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. Because of that now we can say whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank God we got him. That's worth an amen right there. But the problem is, just as the Jews had nationally rejected Jesus, so many of us do individually. Because he's not, he doesn't fit our lifestyle. See, we want to, as they did in Exodus 32, we want to fashion God into our own image. We want a God that is all about us he's a God that says, no, it's all about me. We want a God that we change into what we want him to be. We like to pull him down here where we are. But we got a God who says, no, I want to change you into my image. And I want to pull you up to where I am. And we reject him for the very same reason. We have a problem today. There's a... There's three words that I think summarize us today. Our own way. Mm -hmm. We want to do church our own way. We want to believe our own way. And we want God to be our own way when he says, no, it's my way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. Listen, can I tell you? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And it's not about your own way. It's not about my own way. It's about his way. Listen, don't reject him because he doesn't fit your mold. Accept him and let him remake you into his mold. That's the one. Just like the Jews so often, he's the slighted cornerstone today. Disallowed, rejected of men. But not only is he the slighted cornerstone. Listen, not only is he the supernatural cornerstone. But praise God, he's also the select cornerstone. Read on verse number four with me. The Bible says this. To whom coming as unto a lively living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but, I like when he butts in. He said, men, you can think whatever you want to think. That's what he's saying. You can reject him, you can spurn him, but can I tell you this, but he is chosen of God. And he's precious. Listen, you can be the biggest atheist that's ever existed. By the way, there is no such thing as an atheist. I'll just give you that. I don't believe that preacher for one second. seconds. an atheist. Listen, have you ever heard of a group that goes against Bugs Bunny? How many of you believe Bugs Bunny's real? I don't believe he's real either. So let's get a group together. We're, we're anti-Bugs Bunny. How can you be anti-something you don't believe is this? Somebody say amen. It's an oxymoron Didn't even think about the word atheist. Yeah. Obviously you're against something you'd believe exists or else you wouldn't be so, so, so fired up about it. Amen? And whether man rejects him or not, there's coming a day. Listen, you can be here today and you say, I don't believe anything this preacher's saying. But listen, there's coming a day where you're going to see him eyeball to eyeball, where you're going to confess that he is Lord and Savior. And by the way, none of us make him Lord. He already is Lord amen we, we just, just declare and agree with him, with him that he is and, and listen, listen whether you believe or not you will one day call him Lord you will one day acknowledge it and he, when you do it will be too late You get that taken care of on this side because no matter what you say about him look what God the Father says about him
1: men may disallow and reject him but of God
0: he's chosen <laughs> of God he is precious He was chosen to do the will of the Father. He came as the only begotten Son of God. Uh, The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He's chosen of the Father and then He was precious. Why is He precious? Because there's no one else like Him. Amen? No one else like Jesus. He's the only one who ever met the qualifications to be the mediator between man and God. From birth, we got a problem. All of us were born with a sin nature. Then we willfully choose to sin. On top of that and our sins have separated us from from a God who is holy and perfect and, and there's a problem with that because he's holy and perfect he can't be around sin and there's a he, he prescribed as a holy God there must be a penalty paid for sin the Bible tells us about that penalty Romans 6 23 for the wages of sin is death he says and listen that doesn't just mean a physical death that means an eternal separation From a holy God. But there had to be a price paid. And guess what? There was a price paid. The only one who could fill it, the precious one, it was Jesus Christ who willingly came to this earth. God manifested in the flesh and robed himself in the flesh, was born of a virgin, went and laid his life down, shed his blood for you and me so that our debt could be paid. He was our mediator. Hold on for just a moment. This is one of the parts I got to say lovingly. Your mediator ain't your preacher. Your mediator ain't your church. Your mediator ain't your denomination. Your mediator ain't your pope. It ain't some priest. It's none of those things. There's only one who qualified to be mediator. His name is Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul said 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Pretty black and white in Scripture. It? It's amazing how much Scripture will ruin religious and religious beliefs. Amen. Have you ever looked up the role of a mediator? Let me give you a couple thoughts about this idea of a mediator. A mediator. I did a word study to find out. What was a mediator do? Well, a mediator was a guarantor. Anybody ever had somebody co-sign with you on a loan maybe sometime in your life? You know what that co-signer was doing? They were guaranteed that if that beat that just took the loan doesn't pay, I'm going to pay. <laughs> I guess that wasn't put very nice. <laughs> they're guaranteed. The debt will be paid. What paid. That's, that's what they're paying. That's one of the roles. You look up the word mediator. It's one of them. They're the guarantor. Tour. And, uh, but a mediator is also this. They're, they're an arbitrator. They're they're one who who brings two estranged parties together. A true mediator can represent both sides. And that's the task of reconciliation. Can I tell you, Jesus fulfilled both of those. (laughs) See, we got a debt that needs to be paid, and that debt for our sin. He said, put my name aside. They can't pay it, but I guarantee it'll get paid. We, we, we got a problem because our sins have estranged us or separated us from a holy God the Father. He said, guess what? I'm the mediator. My blood, my death, my burial, my resurrection is sufficient for their sins. I paid their gift. I paid their debt. For them. But the gift, the Bible says for the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is Christ Jesus our Lord. Y'all see the difference? He's, he's the mediator. He made the way. He reconciled two parties by paying our debt for, by being our guarantee. And listen, he paid, it for the, he paid it for everyone in this world if you would believe and trust in him. He's the select cornerstone, chosen of God, precious, the supernatural cornerstone. Hey, he's the slighted cornerstone. Finally today, he's the stumbling cornerstone. Read with me. All the way down to verse 8. He said there's a lot of stuff in there Preacher, you don't normally skip verses. We're just focused on Jesus today. We'll come back next week and hit us. Amen. Look what he says in verse 8. And a stone of, what's that next word? Stumbling. And a rock of what? Offense. Even to them which stumble at the what? Word. There's a lot of people stumbling at God's word. Being disobedient, wherein too also. They were appointed. He is the stumbling cornerstone. The stone of stumbling. The rock of offense. Again, Peter here is quoting the Old Testament. That's why we preach the Old Testament. Amen. Uh, Most of the New Testament is quotes of the Old Testament. And he says, Jesus, the cornerstone, is the one who calls men to stumble. Now, we understand this was literally fulfilled in in history uh, by Israel who who were offended, again, that he ate with sinners and that he rebuked their own thoughts and ideas and their own beliefs. But can I tell you, it's still true today. He's the stumbling stone. He's the the rock of offense. We We have many that, listen, claim to be Christians today that are offended by God's word because it rebukes their lifestyle. Because it goes against what they really want to believe. Listen, he's the stone stone. He's the rock of offense. He said it would be. He said it would be. But you know what I've noticed in life? When I'm right with God, when I'm in his word and I'm fellowshipping with God and I'm filled with the spirit and there's not about, there's really not about anything anybody could ever say or preach that would ever offend me. Don't know that, but I tell you this: when I'm rebellion against God, or I'm being disobedient to some area of His Word, there's a lot of times I get offended. I mean, even the hard stuff really doesn't offend me when I'm right with Him. But when I'm not right with Him, I mean, even the, it seems like I get offended over everything. Somebody say Amen. You've been there. This is one of those things. Listen, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. Every one of us have been there at some point or another. When we weren't right with God, we get offended by everything, don't we? But when we are right with God, guess what? Nothing can offend me. Nothing from God's Word, no truth can offend me. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, for those that are saved, listen. It isn't what, about what you think or believe about what Jesus said. It isn't about your feelings. It's about the facts of God's word. It's not about some article you read off of Google search. It's about what you read from a scripture search. Amen. And listen, he says, listen, you, you are offended. He's going to be a, a rock, a, a stumbling stone, and he's going to be a rock of offense for you because you are disobedient. Look at it. He says, even to them which stumble at his word, being disobedient. right there in the text. I'm just preaching what it says. Amen. But then he goes on and says this, whereunto they were also appointed. He said, You were appointed. He's where he's saying. He said, I saved your soul so you could follow my word, not go against it. I saved your soul so you could be conformed to my image, not try to shape me into yours. Not for your own way, for my way, Jesus said. He's a stone of stone for disobedient and rebellious believers. But not only that, he's a stone of stumbling and the rock of offense for unbelievers, for the lost world also. Do you know that the gospel's offensive? I guess that's why most people don't even preach it anymore. I can't tell you the amount of services. I'm talking about Baptist churches too. I've heard the gospel not ever, ever, ever presented. Why? Because it's offensive. You know, I'd rather stand up here week after week and just talk about how great God is and how great you are. And I could stand up here and tell you how great you are every single week, and guess what? You'd leave here thinking you're great on your way to hell because listen, I didn't get saved until I got offended. You know what I got offended by? The fact that I was a sinner who had rebelled against a God who loved me. I got offended at myself. And until you get offended at yourself and your own sin, you'll never see your need of a Savior. Thank God for those who still preach against sin. Amen. Because if I don't understand I'm a sinner, I'll never understand my need for a Savior. I can't tell you the number of people that I've witnessed this to here just recently. It used to be all kinds of different things, but now it's just simply this. I've always believed in God. You have not always believed in God. Maybe you believe He existed, but you've not always been saved. You get saved when you realize you're a sinner, and your sins put Jesus on the cross, and you trust in His death, burial, and resurrection. You repent, change your mind of your sins, and you turn to God and say, He's my only mediator. He's the only way I get in. Thank God He died For me, and I believe it. If you haven't had a time in your life where you did that, listen, don't expect to go to heaven because your sins have to be paid for. And they haven't been paid for because you haven't trusted in the one who paid for them. You haven't always believed. If you can't point to a time, in your life. I'm not talking about I remember the date. I remember the exact time. Listen, I don't even remember the date of the day I got saved. I can tell you I was beside a race car at Eastside Speedway. I got down on the knee and I started to pray my token little prayer since I was going to church now. God, help me win. Keep me safe. Amen. And God convicted my heart and said, you might not make it through this race today. If you did, you'd be in hell because I had never repented. I had never confessed with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believed in my heart that God had raised him from the dead. I had never agreed with God I'm a sinner and that he's the savior he's the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by him but on that day I called out upon his name I said I am a lowly sinner God please save me guess what he did I can't tell you the date I wanted to race that night so I could probably find it in a newspaper clipping but I can't tell you the exact time of the day it was but I can tell you this I remember the moment And if you don't have a moment, you ain't saved. I'm telling you because I love you. I hear that all the time. I've always believed. You might have always believed intellectually, but you've never, you have not always believed here where it matters. If you don't have a point in time, today would be a great day to have a point in time. Today would be a wonderful day of salvation. Today would be the day to quit stumbling over the cornerstone and the offense of the gospel. Listen, it is offensive to tell people they're sinners. But my Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I wouldn't be doing my job if I don't tell you that. It's offensive to people to hear somebody say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We don't get there by our good works, by merit, by giving money. It's only one way and one way only. It's through Jesus, his blood, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Listen, it's... It's offensive to tell people they need to repent, change their mind, and put their trust in Jesus. But listen, that's the only way the Bible says repent, or likewise you will perish. And I'd rather offend you with the truth than offend God for not calling the truth he called me to preach. There's no neutrality with Jesus. Listen, he's either your savior or he's going to be your judge. How do I ensure he's my savior preacher? I'm glad you asked. Repent. Change your mind. Agree with God that you're a sinner. And that Christ died for you. Was buried for you. And rose again for you. You say, that's it? That's it? Believe in your heart. Full trust. And he'll save your soul today. That's you this morning. Confess. Agree with God that he is Lord. He'll save your soul. Father, we thank you for the message. We thank you this morning that we got Lord, the first building block of the church isn't us. It isn't our thoughts, our ideas, our beliefs. It isn't Peter. Lord, it's the perfect, the square, the true, the almighty Jesus Christ. And Lord, when we measure everything we think, believe, feel against that truth and we build our house off that true cornerstone, Lord, we'll have the most perfect square house there's ever been. But Lord, when we build it off something else, oh God, Building off the wrong foundation. And Just like the parable you said, Lord, the storm will come and it's going to sink and blow down our house. Father, I, I desire that for no one in this room. I pray that their salvation is based on the cornerstone, of the Lord Jesus. And that everything they think, believe, and subscribe to is based on the cornerstone of the word of God. Father, as we come to the invitation time now, I pray that you have your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd stand with heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room. That's Miss Joanne. She just come place play softly this morning. kind of got just two questions for you this morning first to you here here I just wonder if somebody would be honest with me this morning so either I th- thought I was saved because of kind of always believed there was a God but I, I don't have a point I don't have a moment where I, where I really realized that I was a sinner that I needed to trust in Jesus as my Savior to be saved I wonder if there's somebody here that would just be honest with me like that this morning. say, If I died right now, I'm not sure that heaven would be my home. I can't look back at my life and see a time and a moment when I, when, when I did repent, when I changed my mind I agreed with God that I'm a sinner. That Jesus is the Savior. I wonder if for somebody like that today. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you today, if you said, I'm not sure. Would you raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you. Anybody like that in the room? I'm not sure. If I died right now, heaven would be my home. I can't think of a moment when I truly turned and trusted Jesus. It's not that I've always believed there's a God. It's that a, I believe there's a God who died for me. Because I was a sinner and rose again from the dead. Anybody like that today? Any hands? I want to pray for you. I'm not calling you out and bearish you. i not going to do that this morning. Let me ask you a second question then. No one's raised their hands. I understand that. If you then you profess to be a Christian, if you profess to be a, a believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, can I, can I ask you this? What are you building your spiritual house off of? Is it your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own beliefs, what you want to be believed to be true? Or is it the cornerstone of the Word of God and the God of the Word? Is it off of Jesus? Listen, if you build it off anything else, you're going to have a house that's unsquare, that's unstable, and that will eventually amount to nothing more than a crooked old shack. But if it's off the cornerstone, oh, can I tell you, that's what God will use to build us up into a spiritual house. If it's off anything else but Jesus. Listen, this offers a You can pray there in your seat. But I want to tell you, that is one of the biggest fundamental problems today with folks who claim to be Christians. They got their own view, their own ideas, and they don't submit to the cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, His ideas. Get that set up today. Whatever your need is presented. Share with you anytime. You have a thought or a belief, or anytime there's a religious teaching that doesn't line up with the Word of God, then your thought, your belief, and that religious teaching is wrong. Because Jesus in this book is our cornerstone. That's where false doctrine comes in. False churches start. That's where believers get their spiritual houses. Start building it off of things which are crooked. If you have to go to the Bible to try to find a place to believe something, or to prove something that you believe is true, although you didn't get it out of the Bible, you're just as guilty too. We get from the Bible our truth. We don't impose it on. If you want a square house, if you want a house, a spiritual house that will honor God, it begins by making Jesus our chief corner. thankful for our chief cornerstone amen what's his name (laughs) you understand what that cornerstone was all about don't you they would have in their time very well understand today even if you're not a builder get to build off anything else but that perfect cornerstone you're not going to end up what God wants you to be false doctrine false teaching false beliefs your own ideas don't cut it. it needs to come from what the word of God. I'm gonna ask my friend Joe Skelton if you could close us.